pray you to help me to have a clear mind, Father, to be able to communicate the thoughts, Lord, that you would have me to communicate tonight as we study this passage, Lord. We believe that the answers to all of life's problems lie in the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us as we attempt to study the Bible and look at the Scriptures. Lord, help me. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me at this time, that your Holy Spirit would use me as a vessel to be able to minister to your dear people. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Hosea chapter number 11. And we've been traveling through the book of Hosea and going... uh, Pretty much hitting a chapter every night for the last 11 weeks. And we're almost done with the book of Hosea. It's only 14 uh, chapters in the book of Hosea. And uh, be praying that the Lord will lead me. I've got some ideas of what book we'll be going to next. But be praying that the Lord will lead me in the right uh, direction. And of course, if you've got a book uh, you'd, you'd like me to preach uh, through, I, I take bribes. So uh, the, more, the more money you, you bribe me with, you know, then well, no, no, it's okay. Hosea chapter number 11. I want you to understand something. When you are going through the book of Hosea, when you get to chapter 11, God kind of shifts gears a little bit. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the last, since we, pretty much from chapter 4 to Hosea chapter number 10, we've been dealing with the wrath and the judgment of God, the anger of God, God just ripping on the sin of the people. But in chapter 11, God kind of changes gears a little bit, and for the next few chapters, the focus, although He still talks about sin and wrath and judgment, the focus is on the love of God. The love of God. And, and, and you, you'll see that. And, and we're going to talk about that uh, primarily tonight. The love of God. We might get to a few other things if time permits. But I want you to notice, if you look down at verse number 4. Now we're going to go back to verse 1. But I want you to look at verse number 4. The Bible says, I drew them with the cords of a man. And I want you to make note of this phrase, with bands of love. Do you see that? With bands of love. And point number one tonight, as we look at Hosea chapter number 11, I want you to notice God's bands of love. I want you to notice the glimpse that we get into the heart of God and the love of God. And there's a few things that God says here in regards to the things that He did to be able to prove His love to us. If you look at verse 1, now we can understand this is written to Old Testament Israel, but Israel is God's people, and the applications to us today can still be made, because today we are God's people. And if you look at verse number 1 there, the Bible says, when Israel was a child, and I want you to make note of the fact that he's referring to them as a, as a, as a child, as a baby, and that'll make sense here in a bit when we talk about it, he says, when Israel was a child, then, if you don't... If you're not afraid to mark in your Bible or write in your Bible, if I were you, I would underline the, the, the word of their eye. You understand that's God speaking. He says, when Israel was a child, then I, notice what God did, I love him. He says, I loved him. Now, now keep your finger there in Hosea, and I want you to go with me to the book of John. The gospel according to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I want to show you a verse that's a very well-known verse, a very well-known passage. And I know we could probably all quote it tonight, but sometimes it's good to just open your Bible and look at a verse. But I want you to look at John chapter number 3 and verse number 16. John chapter number 3 and verse 16. I know that's a basic, basic verse, but it's a powerful verse. 
John chapter number 3, and you want to make your way to John because we're going to be looking at other passages in the book of John tonight. John chapter number 3, you might want to keep your finger in John for a minute. John chapter number 3, look at verse number 16. John chapter 3 verse 16. I just want to, I just want to remind you tonight. I think tonight we should look at this and think of this and really try to understand the fact. I know that we talk about it. God loves us. I know that we understand it. But have we really sat recently to think about the fact that God loves you and me. The Bible says there, for God so loved the world. The world that's you and me. Now you gotta understand this. God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world and says, you know, like today, young people, oh, I, I love you, or I, you know, everybody loves everybody. You've been on one date and you're in love. You know what I mean? That's not God. God says, for God so loved the world, He says, I prove that love. Notice He says, that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, that means anybody, believeth, that's the faith, in Him, that's the Son, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, should not perish, that means they will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You gotta understand this. Keep your finger there in John and go back to Hosea. God says this. He says, when Israel was a child, then, notice, He says, I love Him. Now you gotta understand this because it seems like God is railing on Israel constantly, chapter after chapter, just rebuking them and chastising them. But you gotta understand this. The heart of God is a heart that He loves His people. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved Him. Now notice, He loved Him. But you got to understand this. And you always got to understand this. And, and I talk about this a lot because it's so prominent in our society today. Most churches in America today preach a lot and talk a lot and teach a lot about the love of God. And in some ways it's good. At Verity Baptist Church, we mainly, uh, three out of the two services we have around here every week, are preaching through the Bible. You know what that allows us to do? It allows us to talk about the things that God talks about. So we don't have this overwhelming emphasis on the love of God, because guess what? The Bible doesn't have an overwhelming emphasis on the love of God. We talk Now, the Bible talks about the love of God. Guess what? We talk about the love of God when the Bible talks about the love of God. So you guys talk a lot about sin around here. Guess what? The Bible talks a lot about sin. The Bible says God, for God loved him, but you got to understand this, okay? Jesus Christ said this. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. See, it's understood that God loves us, but God does not just take for granted that you love Him. God always expects something from you and expects something from me to prove our love. And notice, the Bible says here, when Israel was a child, then I loved him. But notice, and called my son out of Egypt. Now, we understand, as we even say in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of the world. Egypt is a picture of, uh, 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 of the society of today. And God says, I loved him, yes. But He doesn't just say, I just loved him, and I accepted him, and I just kept him. And I didn't care anything else about his life. I just loved him. He was living in sin. He was living in filth. It's okay. No. He says, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. You understand that God has called you and I. God has called us out of this world. God has called us to be separate from this world. Now, of course, there's prophetic. There's a prophetic picture there of the fact that, of course, we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, as a child, also went to Egypt. Remember, Joseph took Jesus into Egypt, and God called His Son, Jesus, out of Egypt as well. A picture that God always calls His children out of the world. 
You say, God loves us. Yeah, He loves you, but He also calls you out of the world. God loves you. Yeah, but He also expects something out of you. He expects you to be different. He says, I loved Him and called my Son out of Egypt. By the way, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, you, you say, when I walk in here, the music's different than the world. That's because God called us out of Egypt. We don't have world, the Egypt's music around here. We don't have Egypt's Bible around here. We don't have Egypt's style. You know, I walk in here and everybody's dressed different. Look, we, we accept everyone. We love everyone. You, we don't have any rules around here. You come, you come however you want to come. It's fine. We're going to love you. We're going to accept you. James teaches that. But let me tell you something. We're not just trying to, you know, put, be like the world and put the name of Jesus on it. We're trying to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus, sometimes you've got to come out of Egypt. Amen. He says, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Verse 2, as they called him, so they went from them. They sacrificed him to Balaam and burned incense to graven images. We're going to come to that. But I want you to look at verse number 3. We're talking about the love of God. Number 1, he said, I loved him. Number 2, you might want to underline this in your Bible. He said, I, God said, I loved him. Number 2, he says, I taught Ephraim. Do you see that? He says, I loved him. He says, I taught him. I taught Ephraim. Also to go. Now I want you to notice, how did God teach Ephraim? Because remember, He loved him when he was as a child, right? Notice what He says, I taught Ephraim also to go. Now notice what He says. Taking them by their arms. He says, I taught him, and I taught him by taking them by their arms. Now I've got little ones, and I'm sure many of you had little ones, or have little ones right now. But you know, that when I read that, it reminds me of, when you're teaching a child, you're trying to teach a child how to walk, what do you do? You take them by their arm, you hold them steady, right? And you walk with them so they can get used to walking. I remember when my wife and I would uh, teach our children how to walk recently. Elizabeth just learned to walk recently on, on her birthday, actually. Um, but I, we didn't really do this with Elizabeth, but I remember my boys, when we were teaching them how to walk, you know, I, I would sit down, and, and my wife would sit down, you know, just real close to me, but we'd both be on the ground there, and she would maybe take uh, Joshua or Joel, and she would just very lightly hold their hand, and kind of, as they walked and, and made their way towards us, towards me, and we'd do that back and forth, back and forth, and gradually began to loosen our, our, our grip off them to the point where they were able to do it themselves. Now, we were very careful with them. Why? Because we love those kids. We didn't want them to fall. We didn't want them to hurt themselves. We didn't want them to fall and then be afraid to try to walk. So we were very careful to hold their hand. God says, I love my people so much. He said, I taught them. He said, I cared for them. Like a little child, I would take their arm and I would just walk with them ever so patiently to make sure they would not hurt themselves. He said, I taught them. Are you getting a picture of the love of God? He says, I love them. That I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. Notice number three, but they knew not that I, you might want to underline that word, I healed them. Do you see that? He said, I loved him. He said, I taught him. He said, I healed him. Now go, 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 go back to John real quickly. And I want you to notice something. And, and, and with that idea of the fact that God loves you. You say, how does God love you? God loves you like a father loves a little child. God loves you like a mother loves a little child. And you got to understand this. Are you there in John? Go go back. Did I tell you to keep your place in John? Remember I said that? Go, go, to, go get back to John chapter 3. Look at verse number 3. 
In John chapter 3. Remember Nicodemus came to Jesus? John chapter 3 and verse 3. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be... Now notice this, born. You see that? He says, you got to get born again. Now you say, why do you got to get born again? He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus said, I'm already an old man. How can I get born again? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Now, Nicodemus was thinking of a physical birth. He said, I've already been born. How can I get born physically again? Jesus says, verily, verily. And Jesus answered, verily, verily. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. He says, Nicodemus, you don't understand. I'm not telling you you got to get born again physically. You're already born physically. He says, I'm talking about a second type of birth. Now notice, and, and, I, and I want to talk about this. I'm not talking about baptism tonight, but, but this is a verse that people like to pervert into trying to teach that you need baptism for salvation. And I want you to understand this. Look, look at verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, so verse 4 is the context of Jesus' response to verse 5. Do you understand that? Verse 5 does not just, uh, is not just there on its own. It is a response to what Nicodemus just said. What did Nicodemus just say? He said, how can I get born again physically? Okay, verse 5. Jesus, you see this word, answer? What's he answering? So question in verse 4. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water... And of the Spirit, so you got two births there. A birth of water and a birth of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, now, some people will say, see, you need to get born of the water in order to, you, to, to be saved, you got to get baptized. Now, I don't, I don't know what kind of baptism they're talking about, but I've never seen a baptistry give birth to anyone. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You go down into the water, you come out out of the water, nothing came out of that baptistry. But people take this phrase, born of the water, you've got to get baptized. Well, where do you get that from? Because the context is this. Jesus said, you've got to get born again. Nicodemus said, how can I get born physically twice? And Jesus' response is, no, 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 there's two births. There's a born of water, and there's a born of the Spirit. Now in verse 6, he explains what he's talking about. Look at verse 6. That which is born of the what? Flesh. Is flesh. And that which is born of the what? Spirit is spirit. So you see, we got the two births there. So in verse 5, we got born of the water, we got born of the spirit. In verse 6, we got born of flesh and born of the spirit. So what do you think the water birth is? You ever been around a woman expecting and she says, My water broke. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the fact that you get born physically. He says, you're born of the water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Look at verse 7. I, I, that has nothing to do with the sermon. We're just looking at that. But look at verse 7. Jesus says this, Marvel not that I said unto thee, knows what he says, ye must be born again. Jesus said, if you're going to go to the kingdom of heaven, you have to get born again. You got to get born into the family of God. You say, how do I get born? You say, why do I need to get born? Here's why. Because in order for someone to have a child, they have to give birth. You say, I'm a child of God. Well, then God needed to have given birth to you. And it says you got to get born. Go to, go to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. Look at verse 12. John chapter number 1, verse 12. People say this. We are all children of God. Well, we may all be creations of God, and I understand we came from Adam, who was created from God, of God. But if you look at verse 12, the Bible says, for, uh, John chapter number 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received Him, 
That's talking about Jesus Christ, the context is Jesus. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. So who gets the power to become the Son of God? Those that receive Jesus Christ. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Because when you receive Jesus, you are believing. Here's what you understand. God loves you like a son. God loves you like a daughter. Here's why. Because if you got saved, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. It's the love of God. Go, go to 1 John. 1 John. Towards the end of the New Testament there. 1 John. And look at verse number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. And look at verse number 1. 1 John chapter number 3. Actually, you know what? Let, let's come back to 1 John 3. Go, go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse uh, 9. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. We're talking about the love of God, right? 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. Look what the Bible says. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. The word manifested means it was shown to us or it was made clear to us. He says, and this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. God, God says He manifested His love by the fact that He sent His Son and we were able to live through Him. Go to 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Say, so what kind of love did He bestow upon us? That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. You've got to understand this. God loves us, and God teaches us, and He cares for us, like He cares for a child, because we are the children of God. Now keep your finger there in First John, okay? Go back to Hosea. Keep your finger in First John. Go back to Hosea. Is it warm in here? I'm warm, but I'm always warm. Is it warm? Is it? Okay, no, I see some head shaking. Um, maybe we can uh, take that, uh, bring the air conditioner down a little bit. Hosea, chapter number 11. Go back to Hosea. Keep your place in First John there, and go to Hosea, chapter number 11. I want you to see this, okay? We saw, I loved him. We saw, I taught him by taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them, okay? So, number three there, we see that God... Healed them. I want you to see something, okay? You, you got a finger in First John, right? Go and, and put your bulletin or something in, in Hosea. I want you. To, I want to remind you of that phrase. I healed them, okay? Go to Mark chapter number two. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter number two, and look at verse number sixteen. Mark chapter number two. And verse number 16. Mark chapter 2 and verse 16. God is explaining His love here. He said, I loved Him. He said, I taught Him. And He said, you know how else I proved my love to Him? He said, I healed Him. Now, now, if you look at Hosea chapter 11. I don't know if you kept your finger there. I, I told you. I know I'm asking you to keep your finger in a lot of places. But you got 10 of them. Okay, so uh, you can use them. Uh, but look at verse 3. Hosea chapter number 11 verse 3. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. Now notice, I want you to notice this. But they knew not that I healed them. So he says, I healed them, but they were not aware of the fact that I healed them. Do you see that? He says, I healed them, but they didn't know that I healed them. Now go, go to Mark chapter number 2. Look at verse 16. Mark chapter number 2, verse 16. Mark 2.16 says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth 
and drink it with publicans and sinners. You say, why is he hanging out with that crowd? Those publicans and those sinners, verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole, the word whole means they are complete, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Do you see that? He says, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the Pharisees were saying, why are you hanging out with the publicans? Why are you hanging out with the sinners? Why are you going to the drug addict? Why are you going to the drunkard? Why are you going to these people? Because the Pharisees, they were hypocrites. Number one, they're all sick. Number one, they're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he said, why are you spending time with these people, with, with this crowd? And he said, hey, I'm with them because they that are holy, not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, they're sick. That's why I came. They're sick. I came to heal them. Now, here's what you understand, okay? And, and it's funny because I was just having a conversation with somebody about this earlier today. But you know, the Bible says that you and I are sin sick. But you know that if you're saved, you're no longer sick, you're healed. The Bible says, I healed them. Now the sad thing is, most Christians don't realize the fact that they've been healed. Today our worldly philosophy, our philosophy of today, and we're going to talk more about that here as we go through the book, through Hosea 11, but our philosophy teaches us, oh, you, you don't, you're just sick. You just, you're not addicted to whatever you're addicted to, it's just a sickness. You're not a liar. It's just, a, it's just, you're not a, you, you just tell a lot of lies because that's a sin sickness you have. Let me tell you something. If you are saved, God has already healed you of that sickness. You're no longer sick. You're no longer dead. He said, he said, I came to those that were sick. He said, but if you believed him, if you received him, he said, I gave you a new life. He said, you got born again. He said, you became a new creature. He said, all things are passed away and all become new. He said, I made you something new. You're no longer sick. See, what we don't understand in our society today as Christians is this, that we are no longer under the penalty of sin. Now, Christians still sin. But you know what the sad thing is? When Christians sin, it's not because they have forced to sin. See, the world can't help it. You understand that? The world can't help but sin. You and I, we can help it. God has already... Go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians. we got to move quickly. I'm going to slow through these. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 57. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. The Bible says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us... Do you see that? Which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God has already done, given you the victory. You've already won. You've already been healed. You've already been conquered. Go, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. The Apostle Paul said this, All things are lawful unto me. Now, do we believe in eternal security? Do we believe once saved, always saved? The Bible teaches that. Do we believe that once you have eternal security... That you cannot be plucked out of the hand of God. You cannot lose your salvation. Now look, if you believe that, then you can say with the Apostle Paul, all things are lawful unto me. You know what that means? Paul's saying, I can do whatever I want. Now Paul also says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We should not continue in sin that grace may abound. But you know what? If I sin, it's lawful. I'm not going to lose my salvation. Now notice what he says. All things are lawful unto me, 
But all things are not expedient. You know what the word expedient means? It means uh, uh, for your convenience or good for you. You say, well, Pastor, amen. If I go and, and, and commit adultery, am I going to lose my salvation? You're not going to lose your salvation, but it's not going to be expedient for you. It's lawful, but it's not going to be the best thing for you. He said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Notice what he said. All things are lawful for me, but notice what he says. But I will not be brought under the power of any. He says, I can, Paul says, I can commit whatever sin, but I'm not going to allow sin to control me. I'm not going to allow sin to put its power over me. He says, I have already conquered through Christ. He says, I'm not sick. He says, I'm healed. Go to... Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Look at verse 37. Romans chapter number 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37. The Bible says, Romans 8, 37. Paul said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him. Now what are we talking about? The love of God? Notice, through Him that loved us. See, we are... But here's the sad part. Go, Go back to Hosea. Christians, born-again believers with the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, walk around saying, I'm sick. I'm sin sick. I can't get over this thing. God says, don't you know I already healed you? Don't you know I've already given you the victory? Now, we may still live in sin, but the sad thing is, remember we talked about it a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, the fact that the Israelites said, you know, God already brought them out of Egypt, and they said, let us make a captain that will take us back into Egypt. Christians today say, let, let us make a captain that will take us back into bondage. But God already delivered you out of that bondage. The sad thing is, like, when Christians live in bondage, they live in bondage by their own choice. God says, I loved him. God says, I taught him. God says, they knew it not, but I healed them. The world has no power over you. You've already had the victory. Look at verse number 4. Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. He says, I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. Let me tell you this. If you are saved tonight, you are saved because God drew you. You are saved because God drew you to Him. Now, now don't misunderstand that, okay? Keep, keep your finger there, Hosea. Go to John chapter number 12, just real quickly. John chapter 12. I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but I guess I, I was confused. I thought we were coming to Bible study. I didn't think it would hurt, bother you. John chapter 12, look at verse 32. And I want you to understand this. God drew you to salvation. Okay? But we're not Calvinists. You know what the Calvinists say? They say God, can, God only saves those He draws. God only saves. If, if, he, if He drew you, He'll save you. But, but they say God didn't draw everybody towards salvation. Now you got to understand this. If you're saved, God drew you. But you got to understand this. Are you there in John chapter 12, look at verse 32? Lord Jesus Christ said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, talking about His death, notice what He said, If I be lifted up the earth, you say, what is that talking about? Look at verse 33. Just 33 real quick. This He said, signifying what death He should die. Okay, do you see that? He's talking about the fact that He's going to die. How did He die? On a cross. He was hung on a cross. He was lifted up. Now notice what He said. He says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So guess what? You, the Calvinist. Well, God only saves those He draws. Well, God drew all men unto Him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so we understand that if you're saved, God drew you. But guess what? God's drawing everyone. God wants everybody saved. 
You understand this though. Go back to Hosea. Now, you're in Hosea. Go, go back towards the left in your Bible there to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 53. Very well-known passage. Isaiah 53. You've got to understand this. If God saved you, it's because He drew you. You did not go out looking for God. God went out looking for you. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Now the Bible says they're all. That means every single human being has gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You did not seek after God. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. Go back to 1 John. Did you, have you kept your finger in 1 John this whole time? Amen. Remember I told you to do that like 10 minutes ago? Some of you thought, he's never going to go back to 1 John. And you took your finger out. And then I said 1 John, and you're like, man. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. you got to understand this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. you got to understand that. If you're saved, God drew you. Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He, you did not come looking after God. God came looking after you. I, I love it when people say to me, oh, you know, I, I, I found Jesus. You didn't find anyone. He found you. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. He came looking for you. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't looking for Him. We, while we were sinning, while we were going astray, while we were in our sin and our sickness and our death, He came looking for us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you're saved, God drew you. But you got to understand this. Go back to Hosea. Go back to Hosea. We're, we're uh, not almost done, but we'll finish up when we need to finish up. Don't worry. We won't go any longer than we need to. Hosea chapter number 11. I got 15 minutes. Good night. We can, we can finish most of this. I, I need you to see this, okay? Hosea chapter 11. Look at verse 4. I drew them. You see that? If you're saved, this is what God drew you. But I want you to see this. I drew them with cords of a... What's that next word? Man. Do you see that? If you're saved, God drew you. But you got to understand this. If you're saved, guess what? A man drew you too. Do you understand that? He says, I drew them with cords... Well, what cords? What, what tools do you use, God, of a man? So you got to understand, if you're saved, God, you say, God drew me. Yeah, God drew you, but guess what? He used a man to draw you. Go, go to, go to uh, let's see, where do I want you? Go to 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. you got to understand this. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. We've looked at these verses a lot at our church before, but we'll look at them again, and we'll look at them again probably soon anyway. For 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. Verse 19, the Bible says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. So God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Trespasses means sin. Not imputing their sin unto them. And hath, now notice this, and hath committed unto us, we're the human court, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. See, God says this. He says, I drew them with a cord. He, the analogy is, He said, it's like, a, it's like I went to the rodeo. And I, and I got a cord, I got, I got a rope, and I roped them in. But He says, that rope is a human being. He 
Christians, I use a human, I use a man to bring them in. Now look, look what it says, verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Who's the ambassador for Christ? You and I. Now notice what he says. As though, notice this, as though God did beseech you by us. Isn't that powerful? That means when I go out knocking on doors, you say, you're soul winning? Yeah, it's, it's as if God is standing there. He's using me. It's as if God is beseeching them through me. God did beseech you by us. Look what it says. We pray you in Christ's stead. He said, instead of Christ being here, you knock on the door, uh, may I help you? Yeah, uh, Christ wanted to come give you this message, but He wasn't able to make it, so He sent me as a master. In, in, in place of Christ, I'm here. Now here's the sad thing is, how, how long do you think an ambassador would keep their job if the president said, he said, I need, I need the ambassador so-and-so to go to, go to, go to a, a Syria and talk to so-and-so. He said, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm not going to go. That's not my gift. I'm not going to go. I said, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a little tired. See, it's, it's your job to go. In Christ said, look what he says, you, what, what are we doing? Be ye reconciled to God. you got to understand this. If you got saved, God drew you. But if you got saved, a man drew you. And guess what? God needs men to draw. You say, God doesn't need anybody. But God made it that way. Remember in the book of Acts? Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Paul? Now, think about this. Put your, put your head around this. Jesus Christ appears to Saul on the road to Damascus, smacks him off his horse, blinds him for three days, does everything to get his attention, but you know the one thing he didn't do? Give him the gospel. Because then Jesus sends a man by the name of Ananias three days later to give Paul the gospel. Why? Because God, God says, Jesus, here's what Jesus says, I've done all I will do. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was He's like, I will not do anything else to reach this world. He said, I'll do all I can do. But he said, from now on, you need to go and preach the gospel. Jesus appears to Paul. And you say, well, you, you know, I think to myself, well, Jesus, why didn't you just give him the gospel right there? He said, no, I'm going to use a man. Remember, the angel of God appeared to Cornelius. But what did he say? Go get Peter to give you the gospel. I think to myself, why didn't the angel give him the gospel? Because God doesn't use angels to give the gospel. God uses men. He draws you. He's like, well, God drew me with cords of men. Amen. The question is this. How available are you as a cord? Go back to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11. We're, we're almost done, I, I think. I don't know. Hosea chapter 11. He says, I love him. He says, I taught him. He says, I healed him. He said, they didn't know it, but I healed them. He says, I drew them, verse 4, with uh, cords of a man, with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke of their jaw, and I laid meat unto them. I want you to see this, okay? Bible says, I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, and I, I you can underline that I there if you like, I was to them as they that take off the yoke. On their jaw. And I laid meat unto them. The idea there is of an animal. A yoke would be a, a, a thing that they, they would put on an animal to, like, in, in this time it would be like a wooden thing that would go around their neck. And they would attach different plowing tools to that, okay? And it would be a burden that that animal, a bull or something, would carry. An ox would carry. And they would work. And he said, you know, it would be like at the end of the day, the master 
taking that animal that had been working and removing that burden, removing that yoke, and then feeding them, taking care. He says, that's how I loved you. He said, not only did I love you, he said, not only did I teach you by taking your hand like a little child, not only did I heal you even without you knowing, not only did I draw you and I used my men to draw you, he says, I also removed the yoke that was on you. And I gave you rest to feed. Go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. We've got to do this quickly because we're already out of time. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 28. Matthew 11. We'll blow through the rest of this real quickly. Matthew chapter number 11. Look at verse 28. Matthew 11, 28. The Bible says, Matthew 11 and verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say, how, how did God love you? God loved you to... This is the same thing as the healing. You say, I got this bondage I'm in. God already removed that burden. He's already removed it. He says, come unto me all you that are heavy laden. You got to understand this. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the way of the transgressor is hard. I always think it's funny to me. People say, man, the way you guys preach, you want people to sell out? You expect them to be in church on Wednesday night, on Sunday morning, on Sunday night? You expect them to read the Bible every day? You expect them to pray every day? You expect them to change the way they live? And yet, man, that is, that is too hard. Look, let, let me tell you something. It's not harder than being addicted to drugs. It's not harder than being in debt. Look, the, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's not any harder than... Look, it's, it's, the, the yoke of, e, of Jesus Christ is light. Amen. It's easy. It's enjoyable. This world has nothing for you. All they want to do is put you in bondage. All they want to do is abuse you, and when they're done with you, throw you away. Ask Jonah about that. Jonah went off with his friends to run away from God. What did they do with Jonah when things got tough? Threw him off the boat. They had no issues with that. It's exactly what the world will do with you. It's exactly what the devil will do with you. He will chew you up and spit you out. But God says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. He said, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to see this. Go back to Hosea. I got ten minutes, okay? We'll we'll be done in ten minutes, I promise. Ten minutes minutes from now is when we normally get out. So we're we're doing good. Don't worry. But I want you to see this, okay? We saw, look at verse 4 again. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, right? Bands of love, we saw the bands of love. But I want you to see this. God's bands of love, in verse 4, but in verse 7, I want you to see this. And my people are bent to backslide. See, God has bands of love, but men are usually bent to backslide. What does that word bent mean? It means to be strongly inclined. It means to submit to or to yield to. The word backsliding means to go back into sin or the world. Man is bent to backslide. And it's interesting, look look at verse 2. As they called them, so they went from them, they sacrificed unto Balaam. Balaam was a false god, actually Satan. And burned incest to graven images. God says, I loved him. God says, I taught him like a child. He said, I healed him. He said, I drew him with cords of love, uh, with, with the bands of love, with the cords of a man. He said, I laid meat on them. He said, I, I removed the yoke. And he said, and I did all this for them. And then I sat there and watched them worship someone else or something else more than they worship me. He says, my people are back to backsliding. You know, it hurts God when we put our jobs, or our finances, or our laziness, or whatever, our families, or money. When we put anything before God, God says, don't you know everything I've done for you? 
Don't you realize how I love you? Look at verse 5. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king. Notice this. Why? Why is he going to go into bondage? Because they refuse to return. He says, if you would have just came back to me, he said, I, I could have took care of it. I could have taken care of you. But he said, because they refuse to return, they're going to go into further bondage. God, God says, I loved you so much. And he says, I'm just watching you destroy your life. Look at verse 7. And my people are meant to backsliding from me, though they called them to the Most High. He said, my, my prophets went out and they called them to the Most High. They told them about the Most High. Look what it says. None at all would exalt Him. He says, they want nothing to do with Him. you got to understand this. You and I have a tendency, we have a natural tendency to want to backslide. You say, how do I keep from backsliding? Keep that in mind. War against your flesh. Go to Hosea chapter number 10, look at verse 11. Hosea chapter 10, verse 11. Ephraim is as in heifer. Do you remember that? Ephraim is as in heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow and Jacob shall break his, his cloth. Say, so what, what is that talking about? Ephraim is as in heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. He's, a, he's, he's, he's referring to his people Israel. He says, Ephraim, remember what heifer meant? Remember when we were to, uh, uh, preaching about three years? Remember heifer is a young cow. A, a, a cow three years old or less. He said, I, I took Ephraim, this young cow, this young heifer. And he said, and I, I trained her to be able to tread out the corn, to be able to work. So she, I would attach her to like some sort of a mill and they would go in a circle and they would tread out and they would do the work. He said, I trained her to do that. But notice he said, Ephraim is as in heifer that is taught. You see that? And love it to tread out the corn. So I taught them from a young age to be able to do certain things. But I pass over upon her fair neck, and I will, he says, I will make Ephraim thrive. Here's what he said. He said, I, I, I taught that young heifer how to work and to tread out the corn. And he said, but I went to them later on, and I removed the burden off of them, and I got up on top of that heifer to try to ride it, and it wouldn't let me. It, it had this one thing it knew how to do. It knew how to tread out the corn. It was taught to tread out the corn. It knew to tread out the corn. And that heifer said, I don't want to do anything other than just tread out this corn. Don't ask me to do anything else. You know that's how the average Christian is today? Well, I, you know, I, I, I come to church and that's what I do. I come to church, I give my little offering, and I, I do, that's what I do. Don't ask me to do anything else. Seems so winning, I'm not interested. Nine chapters a day, I'm, I don't want to do it. We are a rebellious people. Look, whatever God asks you to do, you have to do it. Why? Because you belong to Him. Because you are His. Not vice versa. Say, well, this is all I'm willing to do, God. You have put something before God. Go, go to Hosea chapter number uh, 4. Look at verse 16. Hosea chapter 4, verse 16. Hang on, four minutes. we got to finish this up. Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 16. Hosea 4, 16. For Israel slideth back as a bat's Slidden or sliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. You've got to understand this. We are bent to backsliding. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we've got to keep in mind the fact that God loves us. Now you've you, you got to understand this. And we're, we're, we're done right here. I'm going to show you uh, three verses and we'll be done. Hosea chapter 11. Look at verse number 8. Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. I just want you to see this. God spends Hosea 11 talking about how much He loved us, everything He did for us. 
he spends a few verses talking about the fact that we're prone to backsliding. And then in verse 8, you get kind of the climax of this chapter. Verse 8, he says, How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? And how shall I set thee as a Boam? Just can, can you feel the heartbreak of God? Notice what he says. Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. you got to understand this. If You say, why did God spend so much time coming off the, His love? And then He talked about us being... He talked about the bands of love, and then He talked about how we're bent to backsliding. Why did He do that? Here's what you got to understand. I believe if you and I really spent time meditating on the fact that God and how much God loves us, I think if we understood that, then we would also understand how much it breaks God's heart when we are sinning against Him. He says, Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. Verse 9. I just want to share this with you when we done. He says, I will not execute fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. I am God and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. Here's what God's saying. And, and you got to understand, there's a lot of prophecy that goes into that. I'm not going into that tonight. And we'll, we'll look at that another, at another time. But God is talking about the remnant of Israel, referred to in the book of Romans. And, and he, you got to understand this. In Israel, just because they were Israelites, does not mean they were saved. There were some that were saved, there were some that were not. The last few chapters, we dealt with those that God did, where they were not saved. He said, let them alone. He said, let them alone. He said, I hate them. He said, I will love them no more. Do you remember that? These people, though, God is looking at these people. And He says, look, I will not enter into the city. He said, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. He said, I will not return to the story. you got to understand this, okay? We all reap what we sow. We get that. But you know what? At the end of the day, no matter how far away we've gone from God, remember the prodigal son? No matter how far away we get from God, you can always come back. He says, he says I will not execute fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy you from you got to understand this, you know. Do we believe in eternal security? You say, well, I've, I've done a whole lot of bad things. You know, God will not pour out His wrath on you. Now, in this world, you will reap what you sow. In this world, He'll make sure you get punished. But I never have to be afraid that God's going to send me to hell. Why? Because I'm a son. I would never send my son to hell. Well, what if He really angered me? He could not anger me that much. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we ask that you'd please be with the word that we looked at this tonight, Lord, and as we studied the Bible. Father, I pray you would please help us to be able to learn from it, to be able to help us, Lord, help us to be able to meditate and realize that you love us, that you care for us, that you have given yourself to us, you've given yourself for us, you've healed us. Lord, I pray that you'd please help us to just realize how much it breaks your heart when we sin against you. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.